Catherine was born into a family that immediately didn't give her the attention she needed, neglecting her from the day she was brought into this world, then handing her off to her aunt, her godmother. And instead of things getting better, they got worse, ending up with her in a bunker built for her. Catherine Beers was able to walk away from this situation and still to this day make the best of what happened to her, even thinking about it like it almost saved her. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today's episode is about the case of Catherine Beers. As you can also tell, I am still sick. It just keeps getting worse. If my voice keeps getting worse, I'm probably going to have to end up skipping next Friday's upload. I wanted to give you guys the heads up on that because I don't want to subject you to listening to me just sound worse and worse and worse. I'm hoping though today is really the last day that I sound this bad and it's going to start getting better after this point. But of course, because none of us really know how colds work, I can't promise anything. If I end up skipping an upload, I will probably let you guys know on Instagram. So if you're not following me on there, that's the best place that you can see if I'm going to skip one or not. But yeah, I don't really have any updates in my life, nothing interesting to talk about, so let's just jump right into today's case. Like I said, today's case is about Catherine Beers. Now, Catherine was born to her mother, Marilyn Beers. Now, right off the bat, Catherine was born into not the best family. They did not treat her at all the way she should have been treated, and she was actually very neglected in this family. This neglect would be so bad that very early on, Catherine would be sent to go live with her aunt or her godmother. But if things couldn't get worse for Catherine, she was handed from one neglectful household to an abusive household. And unfortunately, her godmother's husband would begin to physically and mentally abuse Catherine. If this wasn't bad enough, she would also begin to be sexually abused by him as well. The man that would abuse Catherine was named Sal in Hillary. I'm probably saying that completely and totally wrong because it's spelled really weird and I looked up the pronunciation on it and with me being sick, I don't think I'm saying that last name right, so I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. No, it wasn't like the abuse that Catherine was being subjected to was a secret because you guys, Child Protective Services had come and visited the home multiple times before. They had even talked to Catherine herself, but nobody, including Catherine herself, ever spoke up. Even her own teachers, they had seen a lot of the signs from Catherine, and she did not attend school very regularly either, but nobody ever said anything to Child Protective Services and got Catherine removed from the situation. Now, Catherine was only about nine years old when she would meet a man named John Esposito. I'm also probably saying that wrong. John was a family friend of her godmother's. 
And one day when Catherine was little, she would be playing in the dirt with some of her friends when she would see that John was actually building something in his yard. He was digging a very large hole in his backyard, and this was actually the dirt that Catherine was playing in with her friends. Remember this hole that they were digging. We're going to get back to this in a little bit. John had learned, because he was friends with the family, that Catherine's birthday was coming up soon. And one day when he was talking to her, he decided to inform her that he had a birthday present for her in his house. She believed this, because yeah, her birthday was coming up, and she trusted John, because John was a family friend who had been coming over for a long time at this point. Catherine Beers would enter John's home on December 28, 1992. This is when John would take Catherine to his underground bunker and lock her in there. Catherine would spend the next 17 days locked in there, being repetitively sexually abused by John. This wasn't a big bunker, you guys. This bunker was 6 foot by 7 foot. It was soundproof, but he had also put a TV in there, a toilet, and a mattress for her to sleep on. She did not have free reign to everything, though, because she also had chains that he used to restrain her while she was down there. And if somehow Catherine got out of the chains, there was a heavy trap door that would keep Catherine in, much too heavy for her nine-year-old body to be able to push. Now, like I said earlier about that hole that he was digging, this hole that he was digging, he would later inform police, was him building this bunker. This hole was him already planning on what he was going to do to Catherine. He knew while he was building this bunker what this bunker was going to be used for, and he knew all along that he was going to kidnap and trap Catherine in there and keep her there for himself. Because this bunker was located underneath his home, he had very easy access to it, and the trap door to go into the bunker was actually located in his garage. Now, this wasn't much different for Catherine, though. She was already being mentally, physically, and sexually abused in her home with her aunt by Sal. So it wasn't much different when she was being sexually abused by John as well. Unfortunately, because Catherine had went through all of that with Sal, she felt like the time that she spent with him prepared her for her time with John. Because at this point... Catherine was used to being sexually abused, and it was really easy for her to basically shut off and just treat it like a usual day-to-day with John. During this 17-day stay that Catherine would be subjected to in this bunker, John would begin to think about the future of this situation, and he decided that he needed to throw police off because it was very clear at this point that she was missing and people were looking for her. Now, the information that I found on this was inconclusive, and I'm not sure what is true and what is not, so I'm going to put all of the information that I did find on this situation. So, John would either pre-tape a recording of Catherine informing her godmother that she had been kidnapped by a man with a knife. After he would record this with Catherine, he would leave her in the bunker alone and drive to a payphone. This is where he would call the godmother and play the pre-taped recording over the phone. When the godmother, who didn't answer, would listen back to her messages, she would hear 
Catherine, informing her that she was kidnapped. The authorities were able to trace the call back to the payphone, and at first they could not tell that it was pre-recorded. Later down the line, when they did find out that John was responsible, they were able to confirm that this was a pre-recorded tape. Or this is what John told the police. He told the police that Catherine was indeed kidnapped by a third party. This is when the third party forced her to call off the payphone and leave that message and that he never pre-recorded anything. And then John got a hold of Catherine. To me, it most likely sounds like the very first situation is really what happened. But because it is not a concrete piece of evidence, I did not want to just put that one in there. So I figured I was going to put both in there. Now, the TV that John had in the bunker was basically played 24-7 because Catherine did not want to sit in silence all of the time. This TV would run reports on the news about her disappearance and this probably really helped Catherine because she knew people were looking for her. She knew she was not just alone, basically, and she would start to think about her situation. Later down the line, when Catherine got away, she talked to the press and informed them that if they had stopped talking about her case or reporting on it, that she might have given up and she might not have ever gotten out. But because she kept seeing case after case about her disappearing, this little nine-year-old decided that the only person that was going to save her was herself. And this is when she would start playing mind games on John. John had already thought a little bit about the future, if you think about it, because he was trying to throw police off so nobody knew that he had Catherine. And so these mind games consisted of her talking to John about more of the future. She would ask him when he would come down to the bunker and visit her and assault her what their future looked like. She'd bring up school. How was she going to attend if everybody was looking for her? They wouldn't know it was her. This is when he would usually inform her that he was going to homeschool her and teach her everything she needed to know so she never had to leave to go to school. But she would start to talk about work. How was she going to work if she couldn't get out of the bunker? How was she going to learn about life if she couldn't leave the bunker? Questions like these seemed to get John thinking more and more about the future. Most of the time he would come up with some sort of response like he had plenty of money to take care of both of them forever that she never had to worry about leaving and working. And when none of these future talks got her very far, Catherine began to talk about farther future situations. She asked him about marriage and kids, this little nine-year-old. He would inform her as soon as she was 18, they would get legally married and have children together. But these conversations started to get him thinking more and more about the future. John had this little nine-year-old girl that he was sexually assaulting in a bunker. Could he really hold on to her until she was 18? Everybody was looking for her. Could he really afford to feed both of them on his own salary? Could he keep this secret forever? And these questions started to eat at him, just like Catherine was hoping. Finally, John broke one day because of these mind games that Catherine was playing on him. And he turned up at the police station and informed the police that he was responsible for the disappearance of Catherine Beers. His first story was that he took her to an arcade for her birthday and this is where she was kidnapped. 
Later down the road, he would change his story into actually what happened, and he would plead guilty of kidnapping. And this is when he would inform the authorities that Catherine was alive and was in that underground bunker that he had built. And finally, on January 13th, 1993, the police would enter John's home and find the entrance to the bunker in his garage like he told them. When they would open it, they would quickly find Catherine inside of it and pull her out. I cannot imagine the relief that Catherine felt when the authorities arrived and pulled her out of the hole. On top of this, they easily saw that the home she was originally in, with her godmother, was neglectful and abusive as well, and they pulled her from that. It seemed like somebody finally started to listen to Catherine about what was happening in her home life. Or maybe her disappearance flagged up a lot of red flags to the people that she lived with. Either way, Catherine was finally saved. She was handed off to a very, very loving foster home. This foster home would do everything they could to make Catherine feel safe and secure. They would send her to therapy. They would work at making their household feel the least amount like an abusive household. There was very little yelling or anything like that. Not only was Catherine being abused at the home, but she was kidnapped and held captive by a family friend. And they had to work through that with her. And they were willing to take the steps to working through that with her. They arrested John and they would hand him 15 years to life in prison on July 27, 1994. But for the longest time, Catherine did not want to talk about what happened. And I don't blame her. She didn't want to tell people that she had been sexually assaulted by both of those men. She didn't want to talk about the abuse that she was subjected to. And I don't blame her. That's got to be a scary thing to go through. And an even scarier one to be that vulnerable to tell people about. But later down the line, she decided it was important that they knew. And she informed the public that John had sexually assaulted her. That he had raped her. But they never got the chance to try him because he would end up passing away from natural causes on September 4th, 2013, while he was still behind bars, before Catherine ever got the chance to try him for sexually assaulting or raping her. Going through anything like this is very scary. She was so young and so vulnerable and so trusting, but she has decided that it is important to get her story out there now. And now she has a book written, you guys. Catherine is staying as positive as she can about this horrible situation she was put into. She claims it feels like it saved her in a way. Because before she was kidnapped, she was living with her godmother and still being abused mentally, physically, and sexually. The kidnapping was almost a freeing point for her, she feels like because the authorities finally opened their eyes and took her out of the situation completely. They handed her to a family that loved her so much. She talks about how this family made her feel like she had no responsibilities. She could just have fun and she could just be a kid. I know I kind of talked about this situation pretty fast, but with my cold, it's really hard to dive deep into a lot of these things and to talk to you guys for a long period of time. 
But I really thought it was important to talk about Catherine's story and to let you guys know just how amazing she was and how this nine-year-old got herself out of this situation. I'm so glad that she finally got a family that would just let her be a kid. Catherine did not deserve to be born into a family that would abuse her the way that they did. Kids should be spending time running around in dirt, falling and scraping their legs, and fighting over toys with their friends, not having to be scared about what was around the corner or who was going to hurt her next. Catherine deserved that great foster family, and the rest of her life is going to be paved by her and her alone. She should have never had to go through what she did to get those skills today, but she's still staying positive about the whole thing. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.